Hello and welcome back to the Film Show. I'm your host Owen Ronane. With me, Dee Malumbi and Brian Lloyd, sporting a incredible mustache. I presume for November. Um, no. Well, kind of. It's well, just for you, isn't it's it? It's just for me. But like, I was thinking, he doesn't th- want to have to commit to raising money for charity. Essentially. Oh, <laughs> actually, Deirdre Malumbi. In fact, I actually donated a shit ton of money to fucking <laughs> uh, cancer research to have this mustache oh, well, because I didn't well, want to. Go- you are doing it properly. Aren't yeah, but you? like, no. But you see, like, you have to like the whole rewind. Thing- you made a charitable donation and then got to allow to allow myself to have this mustache because it was like I'm not doing Movember I'm not going to go out and ask people for money because I want to wear a mustache so I said I'll I'll make a big donation and then I'll just be like there you go that's my that's I paid the mustache tax for the month I'll have this mustache for the month do you have proof of this donation I don't I don't but I will bring it in I will I will confirm and triplicate my donation it's just going to say anonymous (laughs) it's going to say anonymous donation to this Cancer Research <laughs> Fund. No, but um, yeah. I love that you had to get pre-clearance for your dash growth. I know, but like it was, yeah, you literally could have picked like any other month. I know, but like this month. So or you're any like, other charity. So bro. you're like conforming, and yet you're not conforming. Well, okay. The thing of it to is, the norm. I'll tell you exactly what That's it is. Point, right. Yeah. Let me let me yeah uh, let me defend my mustache in some way. Okay. Um, I, it takes me ages to grow in facial hair, like fucking ages. Right. And it already had like about, I'd say, three weeks of growth. And I was like, okay, if I shave all the rest of it off, I can maintain this. You wanted the head start. I did want a head start. That's damn right. I wanted a head start. That's fair enough. And that was it. And like, I didn't I didn't want to feel guilty about, you know, I wanted to have the mustache for November. But at the same time, I didn't want to have that like fecky little stubbly bit and the rest. I can completely sympathise. I want to slag him, but that is a good defence. Yeah. So I was like, and I felt bad about it. I was like, I should have signed up for Movember. Surely that's what it's all about, though. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I was like, during the shit lip for yeah, charity. Yeah. Exactly. So I was like, okay, I'll make a, I'll make a good sized donation to a cancer charity, and that will, that will. In my mind, I'm like, okay, I've, I've raised about the same amount of money had I started Movember. <laughs> you, you're regretting asking this now, aren't you? I didn't even ask. Go and ask. I did. I've won. You've you've successfully defended the mustache. Thank you. How are you going to defend the soul patch? No, the soul patch is different. <laughs> the soul patch is terrible. I kind of felt like the two of them go one and the same. I feel like if I get rid of this, who's the guy from the Princess Bride? Um, fucking Vizzy or no? Um, Inigo Montoya. Inigo Montoya. That is it. Yeah, I am going for a sort of like Antonio Vendez <laughs> to kill my father. Prepare to die. I do uh, like the mustache and soul patch. I do feel like a. Pirate. I actually think it suits you. Which is I feel why like a pirate. What I will say is, we should make some kind of bet mm-hmm. where. If Brian loses the bet, you have to shave the mustache and keep the soul patch. Oh no! For oh a god, week. no! Oh no! <laughs> for a week? That's good. That's good because it's not forever. It's not forever. Just the one, one little. Okay. <laughs> I tell you we'll what we'll do. Up. By next week, we'll come up. I with know it. what we'll do. I know what we'll do. We will. Uh, when it gets closer to Oscar season, we will make our uh, best picture uh, <laughs> prediction, oh, and we're all going to put down a forfeit. A forfeit. Like, Dee will have to shave her head. Yeah. I'm about to get married. I'm okay, not freaking... Okay, it's a forfeit, Dee. It's a forfeit, Dee. the rules. No, you got to dye your... Okay, you have to dye your hair pink No, or I'm not doing anything to my hair. 
It's Oscar season. It's Oscar season. Though. No, I don't <laughs> yeah. care. Like, I'll make me eat something weird. I won't. Um, I'm That's... not doing anything to my physical appearance. We'll throw it to Twitter. We'll, throw we'll, it to we'll, Twitter. we'll figure something out. And if it's oh, hair no, based. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to throw it to Twitter. <laughs> They're neither. crazy out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got your hair. Okay, fair enough. You did get your hair. You had like very long hair. Yeah, and it still hasn't freaking grown back. I donated it at the start of the year in January and it oh, still hasn't freaking grown back. So it takes a long time to grow back. So I'm not cutting it again for a while, okay. which is fair. Two ha- slow hair growth stories yeah. in the first four that's, minutes. That's because we're old. <laughs> yeah. We're getting older. <laughs> I'm going to come up with a really good growth based anecdote. And it's going to trump all yours, but I don't have it right now. So I'm <laughs> What's gonna your go. forfeit going to be? Um, extra weeks holidays? Go away with that. Uh, go away with that. Uh, go away with that. <laughs> if I lose, then I get an extra week of holiday. Oh, we no. We can discuss it. We will figure this out. Yeah. yeah. We are going to we'll put down We're going to put down a serious forfeit. I like this. Yeah, like me too. This. I'm also really, really don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> that it's not just me. All right, we have a jam-packed show coming up uh, today, including reviews of The Irishman, Mm. finally, uh, The Aeronauts, The Good Liar, and a tasty little interview with Eddie Redmayne. And, uh, geez, who's his co-star? Felicity Jones. I should have known that, yeah. Is that Rogue One? Yeah. Yeah. I knew that as well. There you go. Which is why I said it live on air. And no Uh, one can stop you. First up, we've got movie news. This is a serious first piece of news. Now, we have been following Matt Reeves' The Batman very closely lately. Uh, Why don't you bring us the story so far? There was uh, Jonah Hill was involved. Jonah Hill was involved at one point and people were thinking that he was going to be cast as the Penguin. And then it turned out he actually wasn't being cast for the Penguin at all. He was being cast for the Riddler. And that then eventually went to Paul Dano. Which is already amazing. Which is a yeah, fantastic choice. Fantastic choice. Couldn't think of a this better one. This movie's really coming together. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it? Like, I need to think of that. Like, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Fan-fucking-tastic. Brilliant choice. Jeffrey Wright as uh, Jim Gordon. Great choice. Yeah. Robert Pattinson as Batman. Good choice. He's probably going to be on. No, I think he's going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he really, like I said, if you look at his indie stuff, and I'm really excited to see The Lighthouse as well. I yeah. think that that's going to do a lot for kind of, yeah, yeah. With Willem Dafoe. I mean, it looks fucking weird. So it I does. think it's going to be like a hard-boiled detective, Selena Kyle on the mean street. It's going to be like Joker, pretty much, I, in style. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be as kind of full-on taxi driver, Scorsese-esque as Joker. Mm-hmm. But the the story, anyway, Colin Farrell apparently is in talks to play Penguin. Colin Oswald. Farrell! Now, I'll tell you, right? From Castleknock. From from Jesus Castleknock, huh? Have you seen me latest film, Phone Box? Wow. Well, Alexander the Bleeding Deadly. Um, I tell you, I think that's a great choice. Yeah. Uh, to play Penguin. Yeah. I think that's a great choice. I think he's phenomenal. I think that his recent career choices have been like really interesting between Dumbo, the kind of yeah. stuff he has done yeah. with um, Yorgos Lanthimos. Mm. I think Even, he's going to be great. I thought he you know? was the best thing in Fantastic Beasts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. Like, a lot of people were saying, can we just write it so that it's still Colin Farrell and not Johnny Depp? Oh, <laughs> like I remember people were that, actually yeah. saying that. Yeah, yeah. And then the sequel was shite because he wasn't in it. Now, yeah. it wasn't just because he wasn't in it, but it would have helped if he was a in it. A lot of factors at play there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely, um, definitely. I know we, this show lives for anecdotes. My grandfather oh, yeah. was the vice principal of Gormanston College near Scaries. Well, 
north of Meath border. Right. Colin Farrell went there and got expelled. (gasps) And apparently there's graffiti in the school that says Colin Farrell was here. (gasps) Whether there's a H, whether there's no H, I don't know. And tell us this now, why was he expelled? I can't remember. Because he's a bad boy. Maybe someone can fill in the gaps, but I remember hearing that. It's probably, I think it is literally down to bad boyism. Didn't he used to be like kind of a little rebel and stuff? And that was kind of reflected in like the earlier roles he took. And then he became like a dad and he calmed down a bit. And then he got sober, like, like, surprised. Yeah, yeah. That's really it. But like, people forget his early Colin Farrell was all about being a bad boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, isn't like, there a Family Guy joke where he's got like ripped jeans? Ripped jeans you with your ripped jeans and your hat and your glasses and your <laughs> smoking. Oh, you're such a bad boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I mean, yeah, I mean, like we were hanging out with like fucking Britney Spears. Remember all that mm. shit? Like, and yeah, I mean, there was a time. Yeah, once upon a time, he was like the poster boy for like fucking Hollywood excess and mm. just being like. On the scene, Dubs in LA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally. And like, you know, he did become a k- kind of a parody of himself. I mm-hmm. think. Um, but to be honest, like, I think he's remember the co- when he was in Scrubs. He was in that episode, yeah. and oh all the women God. kept on falling all over him, and they and he'd be like talking to them for like a minute, and then like the next shot, he'd be making out with them. It was hilarious. Out. Oh I yeah, can't no. make peace with. Uh, He's from Castle, not? Yeah. Like, he's a fu- he lives he lives near a fucking dart stop. What are you doing <laughs> being in Hollywood? And like, I tell I, you... I, in fairness, he's already done everything. He was Alexander the Great. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget as well that he's actually had foray into superhero movies playing Bullseye in Daredevil. Daredevil, for- that's right. That. Oh my God. And isn't it funny that that starred Ben Affleck, who was the original Batman? Well, not yeah. the original original, but originally wow. going to be Batman. He's this, taken so on a there new... There you go. And you know what? I kind of have a soft spot for him in Daredevil. Yeah. yeah. He straightens out those paper clips. Yeah. And starts chucking them accurately. Yeah. Oh, Oh, come on. Bullseye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I barely remember that movie except for the Evanescence song. Oh, yeah. Wake me up inside. Can't wake up. Wake me up. (laughs) Kill a gun. Save me. <laughs> so at the bottom line, excited. Yeah, yeah. could be could be a good crack. Um, it's definitely a different take, you know. Yeah, like compared to you know, I mean, but it was I Danny can't... DeVito before. So and then uh, apparently he did. Now I don't follow Gotham, but the character did appear in like a younger version. He was very so. yeah. He was very 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 front and center in. Mm. Uh, and that was probably the first Gotham. time the character was kind of out of a fat suit. Even I'm trying to picture: is there going to be like a Rotund yeah. Colin Farrell, or is he going to be like a ripped penguin, or what's going? I on? think like yeah, because like I mean, even going back to like the sixties when it was Burgess Meredith, like and, and like he was he like, was the he, biggest influence ever. Yeah, yeah, he was the one that I always think of, like, and he had like the the rotund, and like, he looked like a penguin, and you know, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> um, so C- cigarette I, holder, yeah, the cigarette holder. Wah, 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 wah. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to go that with it, and it would feel kind of like. You know, like it's the kind of thing that I don't think they can go uber realistic with it mm-hmm. because Nolan did that. Do you know what I mean? Nolan really grounded it in reality and really made it 
this like what if actually there was a person a terrorist like Bane in the world yeah, what would that yeah. be like I mean essentially his three characters because Ra's al Ghul is the same they're always terrorists yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah that's yeah. it that's such a good point yeah yeah, yeah. like like yeah Ra's al Ghul was an eco-terrorist uh, Joker was just a fucking terrorist who hated everybody Bane was like this counter-revolutionary so yeah. like you know, trying to kind of make Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot, into this real life figure. I mean, mm. yeah, you could do it. You could make him into some like kind of like tycoon one mm. percenter guy. Haven't but, they done yeah. that with Kingpin as well? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just I don't know. I don't I know mean, how they're gonna do it. Another direction they could go in, because I remember when I was young and I saw because I saw Batman Returns, I think it was on the telly a lot. Maybe it was Ortiz midweek movie. Maybe yeah, that's why I ended up was. watching it a lot. Yeah. Um because I definitely saw it way more times than the original Batman, mm, actually. Yeah. But um, anyway, I remember always like watching it and thinking that um, Penguin's backstory is actually like really quite tragic, mm. um, you know, between like being abandoned and how horrible like his father is to him and everything. And even like that ending scene where the penguins are pushing him in the water and the penguins are so sad that he's gone. So maybe they could do that. They could lean into kind of the tragic side of the story because mm. I feel like Colin Farrell would definitely yeah. be able to kind of bring that to oh, life. Yeah. You know what I mean? was really good for that, actually. Yeah. It was that yeah. kind of gothic darkness yeah 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 um the batman games arkham asylum did a very different penguin where yeah. it was like he had he had been smashed by a glass bottle so yeah. his monocle was actually like the bottom of a bottle and he was oh. a bit more of a hard man or whatever he was kind of like a london cockney kind of yeah, guy cockney oh, millionaire I'm tell you, kind of thing yeah he was good yeah that was that was a really interesting take on and i remember here and back um, between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, there was talk that oh, they're going to get Philip Seymour Hoffman to play the, to play the Penguin. Wow. In the that would have been interesting. Kind of yeah, yeah. And then there was that one like, oh, Eddie Murphy's going to play the Riddler, like, and oh, of course it all turned out to be bullshit or whatever. But um, I think you know the fact that they've got uh, Penguin, they've got Catwoman, they've now got the Riddler. Mm. There's talk that they're going to bring in other of the villains like they're saying like oh it's going to be a rogues gallery of villains these people are signing on like the the, the lads we have now you probably haven't seen the last of them correct mm. I mean there's an element to this I'm kind of thinking is this going to be like a Spider-Man tree scenario where it's just all of the villains yeah. and no one is going to get a chance to actually come to the fore there's you know be no I mean. room to breathe correct like, yeah, yeah yeah I don't know like I mean but again like Matt Reeves is such a fucking good director I think he knows what he's doing I think the mm. fact that he wrote yeah. this script himself yeah. I think he knows how to balance it. Like War for the Planet of the Apes is one of the best films of, the, of this decade. Yeah, I mean, it's he has he's worked yeah. with big ensembles before. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's always a good sign, I think, particularly the way this movie is shaping up yeah. to be like quite a big go. cast. So We've had a lot of talk about Joker, but if that's the, like, if that's going to be the alternative cinematic universe, take that. Mm. Yeah. Better yeah. than Justice League. Oh God! I'm sure, Jesus, anything <laughs> would be better than fucking Justice League and fairness. Like, and the fact that people are still shiting on about that Snyder cut. Like, do you know what else people are still shiting on about? Go on. Are Marvel movies art? Oh. <laughs> Martin Scorsese nice. don't think so. Nice. Do you? Why don't you take this? You've written up a rebuttal article, or you've yeah, well, not a rebuttal article. I've just kind of said that. Oh, sorry, that was my phone. That was embarrassing. Oh <laughs> my god, do your I never put my phone off. on. I'm this writing is, that down. I think oh. this might actually be. Uh, <laughs> I think this might actually be the first time this D, that has happened is so in the entire podcast. Sorry, you know what? I forgot. I forgot to put it on um, airplane mode, and that's always sure. key for sure. it because you keep it on. 
but then yeah. it's not all. D, I mean, I'm just like your standards are slipping. Do you know that kind of way? Show's gone downhill. Like, anyway, upset, as we again, know, um, Martin Scorsese has been hitting the headlines a lot, at least in terms of entertainment news. You know, last month he said that Marvel movies are not cinema and he compared them to theme parks because how dare he? And then like over the weekend, he was talking about them again, somewhat backtracking, but not completely, you know, denying what he was saying, saying he did find them enjoyable and perhaps they are a new art form. Um, but that wasn't quite enough. So for the New York Times, he has written a uh, an op-ed essay, which is titled, I said Marvel movies aren't cinema. Let me explain, which is basically this big, long thing explaining, yeah, why he, you know, worth said what he said. Yeah, it's definitely worth a read. I mean, he kind of, you know, he, like Martin Scorsese is obviously like a very bright man and everything. And he's very passionate about, you know, what he writes as well as what he directs. So he does say, in a, look, I see the technical accomplishments of this. And I do also readily like accept the fact that I didn't grow up with these movies. So, you know, mm -hmm. these are being introduced to a new generation there and they're loving seeing movies after movies. Like what I grew up with is what I define as cinema. So he brought up like, you know, a few kind of interesting points and stuff. I have a couple stuff. of quotes here if we want. We've got even... Oh, so he's slagging Marvel sequels and he says they're sequels in name, but they're remakes in spirit and everything in them is officially sanctioned because it can't really be any other way. That's the nature of modern film franchises. Market researched, audience tested, vetted, modified, re-vetted, re-modified until they're ready for consumption. I mean, one of the things he was basically complaining about, um, and I'll continue actually a quote because this is kind of related to it. He's basically sick of just the kind of box office and the financial motivation I'm um, to behind agree it. With them. Mm. Um, so this is another quote. I fear that the financial dominance of one is being used to marginalize and even belittle the existence of the other. This is like Marvel versus like other movies. For anyone who dreams of making movies or who is just starting out, the situation at this moment is brutal and inhospitable. And the act of simply writing those words fills me with terrible sadness. So I suppose, and I mean, we have talked about this before, and it doesn't just relate to um, Marvel, but also to franchises like Star Wars. You know, there's no such thing as kind of the artist anymore or the director's kind of perspective, because every time it starts to come out, they're basically completely stifled. And let's yeah. get someone like Ron Howard in who just gets the job done, you know. So. I'm actually glad that he kind of elaborated a bit more in this article, because it... I think what he's talking about is that, yeah, it's the Marvel movies are symptomatic of a risk-free yeah. industry mm -hmm. and there's so much money behind these things that it is, like, he kind of implied that he would have left it alone, only these movies are genuinely crowding out original. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, Martin Scorsese, and he is an auteur in and of himself, but he has always been very much about like voicing the auteur. And he talks about people like, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson and Claire Denis and Spike Lee and other, you know, yeah. artists whose movies. Well, I mean, they're, they've got the names behind them. But I mean, I think what he was talking about for people starting out, they're particularly going to struggle against these kind of films. So it is kind of sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, 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 I'm a firm believer in the fact that, you know, box office is cyclical. And as much as these movies just never seem to go away, 
they've always kind of been there. I mean, like you go back to the fifties and you had movies like Ben Hur and El yeah, you Cid. just mean big mm. movies. Yeah, it's just big movies will just crowd out everything. But I think it's the nature of the franchise in that it's not one Marvel movie we're talking about. We're it's talking several. about like thirty yeah. that are just taking over well, it's the Disney movie industry then, for blame, years. Really, it is it? really yeah. How much yeah, do they yeah. own? What forty percent of all cinema? Yeah. There? yeah, it's insane. Yeah, and like fair play to them for trying to at least kind of elucidate his point more. Yeah. Um, but I think... And he does have a point. It's yeah. Just, I, I, I think it's almost too late. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly yeah, yeah. it. That's exactly it. I think it's too late now. Um, I think it's kind of too but far again, gone. But again, wait, is this really the kind of thing where it's his fault for having an opinion or it might have been that he said something in a junket and then people wrote 10,000 articles about it? I think there's an element. No, I'd say that it's like fucking, there's probably a bit of that in it. Did as it not well, start as a throwaway comment yeah. in an Empire junket or something like that? Yeah, that was exactly it. And like, I, I think I, feel, it's the, I can't help but feel bad for him. But there, I, uh, there obviously yeah. is a lot of though passion and feeling even behind that throwaway comment. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought it up again yeah. and again and or written, written an essay. Full essay on <laughs> yeah. It. Um. So there is obviously a lot of strong feelings behind that. Um. And I would bet you, I would bet you a fucking steak dinner that if we were to get every single Marvel director. I thought you were going to say Martin Scorsese. No, no, no. He would write another essay. No, no, but I I would bet you, I would bet you good money if we got every single Marvel director in here in a room where no other person is ever going to hear it. And we said to them, look, what do you think? They'd probably say something similar. Yeah, I, think I was they would. glad to get this job, but I know it's pushing out legitimate. Well, yeah, I think I think they would agree with it. I mean, I think the point that I think Scar- they'd agree with the money making. Yeah, that's my point. I yeah, think any yeah. reasonable person, any logical person, could look at the situation and say, "These movies are for profit. That is it. There mm. is very, 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 very little artistic mm. credibility and intent. These mm-hmm. are just." It's entertainment. Like, it's kind of like, like Endgame is the best you can hope for because exactly. at least the Russo brothers had a bit of auteur. Yeah, but even at yeah. that, again, even at that, again, it's the idea of it's, it was building up to that like and the layering of it. Um, I, I, but, but at the same time... And then it became the most profitable movie in the world. So they kind of did both. They satisfied the fans and they made a shit ton of money. So yeah. And as well, and the other point of it is, is that I think as much as we're saying, oh, it's not cinema... But like there is that whole thing of like people go to cinemas to be entertained and they go to see something that they'll never see anywhere else and they go to see something that is going to be easy to understand and easy to think. It's the problem that Scorsese makes and I think the problem that any logical person would agree with is is that there is no longer any balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, no it's so out of whack. There's yeah, not going to yeah. be a so week skewed. or a month in our lifetimes where there isn't a Disney release in the cinemas now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything else just needs to work around that. I don't know. Maybe it's always been that way. Maybe it's always been that way. I don't know. certainly got more efficient. Yeah. I just feel like the blockbusters are making more money and more indie movies are being pushed out. I think that's kind of what's happened. Maybe he's right. Yeah. Hmm. I know. I mean, you could get into a whole thing of like, that's the fucking free market in fucking action. Like, it's just people are voting with their wallet and deciding Mm -hmm. I want to see the big Marvel thing. I don't want to go see you know, this small indie film that's, you yeah. know... That's getting really good reviews. That's getting like, really who good cares reviews. about the reviews? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, and, and th- again, this is going to sound really fucking navel-gazy, but, like, <laughs> I think this is the point of a critic, is to be like, look, 
watch this. It's really, really good. Yeah, fine. You can go watch the fucking big Marvel thing, but this is really good. You really, really need to watch this. Like, yeah. I don't know. I hope so. I hope. I, I hope, hope you listeners are listening to us when we recommend the good movies. I'm certainly listening <laughs> most of the time. Speaking of from Martin Scorsese's opinion to Martin Scorsese's art, how is the Irishman? Tell me now immediately. It's a bit longer here, is it? It's (laughs) (laughs) movie reviews. Movie reviews. It's three and a half hours long. No, three and a half hours short. <laughs> that is a time of three and a half hours. I don't know. How do we fucking bat, whatever? Um, how can I ask? How sure. the hell did you end up being so confused about this movie? And you even said you were happy it exists. That's a quote. That's a Brian Lloyd quote there. And you really, I don't know. You just didn't seem that into it at all. And then you gave it four stars. I was oh. talking about a different that thing where I said I'm happy it exists. I was talking about something completely. Oh, were you? I was talking about a video game. Oh, oh Death, Stranding. Death Stranding. See, this is what happens when you have headphones I have on. my headphones on. Ah, and you okay, only get right. half the story. You know what it is? I you were probably it. talking about it like 10 seconds previously, and yes. then you got so excited talking about the game that you started talking about the That's game. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what we happened. We were talking about the merits of art yet again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there, you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, right. So, the story it is based on a book by Charles Brandt. It essentially tells the story of Frank Sheeran, played by Robert De Niro. About he how he became uh, recruited by the mob to be basically just this hitman for the Buffalino crime family. Yeah. All while this is happening, he's also working for the Teamsters Union, uh, and he's the personal bodyguard of Jimmy Hoffa, who's played by uh, Al Pacino. The representative of the Buffalino crime family is played by Joe Pesci, and it's really just the entire movie in its three and a half hours is essentially about loyalty. And the idea of no man can serve two masters, you know, that kind this of... This sounds so Scorsese. So it's Scorsese. so Scorsese. Oh it's my gosh. like, God, you couldn't even, like, no one but him could make this film. And we were talking earlier about, like, auteur theory and all that kind of thing, and the idea of, like, there must be a vision kind of thing. Mm. No other person could make this film except Scorsese. They just couldn't, because mm. it meshes together two things that he has always kind of dealt with. The idea of... You know, the idea of kind of like almost kind of religious kind of uh, service or service and doctrine and duty. You know, we look at like silence or you look at the last temptation of Christ mm-hmm. or you look at the mission. And then you look at the idea of the allure of the gangster lifestyle and the allure of crime, which he's done in Casino, which he's done in Mean Streets, which he did in Goodfellas. This is these two things coming together in one. Um that's such a Scorsese thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. It really... He's yeah, finally no. made the ultimate super film. Yeah, that's it. He's basically just meshed together both sides of his brain to make the one. And it works for the most part, I will say. It works for the most part. I think, and this is going to sound terrible, I think if he had made this 20 years ago with tw- with the actors... You're going to say 20 minutes shorter. No, God, no, 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 no. If, if, he'd ma- if, if he'd made this 20 years ago with the same actors... This would have been a fucking. Uh, this would have been incredible. This would have been absolutely incredible. We would just we would. That's ageist. Well, I'll tell you why, right? And I, I now I'm going to get to the the whole thing about this movie, which oh. is the big point of this is the de aging. 
Okay. We were worried about the digital DA. Yeah. We were worried about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's noticeable and yet not noticeable. And I'll explain that. Um, There are certain scenes in it when you know exactly right well there is a fucking ton of CGI across his face. And it looks noticeable. Mm. And it's distracting. Like Tintin or something? Yeah. 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 There's like one scene in it. And it's a flashback to when I'm going to assume he was in his 20s. And it just is like, it looks like a a, a cutscene from a video game. Really? Yeah. Now, a recent video game, but still yeah. a video game. It still looks wrong. Your mind is rejecting it immediately. Wow. And then there are other scenes where you're like, okay, they've either got really, really good makeup on him mm. and they've dyed his hair or that CGI is fucking flawless. Mm. Whatever it is. They've done something and he looks incredible. He looks... Both, probably, yeah. Maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. Um, a Gemini Man had a similar thing. In some shots, it looked really good. Yes. And then there were some bits where, like, I don't know, it looked like he looked kind of pouty or something. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. Uh, Eddie Murphy, sorry. Uh, Will Smith. Yeah. Like, it was just oh, kind deep. of all... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just saw you grimace. It's because... <laughs> Ryan mentioned it. Never mind. Uh, yeah, but... They obviously still haven't perfected Yeah, someone who process, hasn't seen either you know? of those films, my opinion would be maybe that it just takes one. To get to, it right. To put, no, it just takes one uncanny valley for you to be like, no, you fuck out this. Yeah. Like, yeah, it really does. Yeah, that's right, a scene completely. ruined. That's the next 10, 15 minutes ruined. Like, yeah, yeah, completely. And like, I remember in like when I was watching Rogue One, there was when the first time you see Tarkin, I was like, oh my God, they're going to do it all in, in the mirror. It's and really the, well done, yeah. It's I was like, shadow oh, and stuff. It's all shadow and you just kind of see his face. I was like, that's really fucking clever. And then he turns around and you see his face. I was like, I'm completely being pulled out of this. I know that's fucking Like CGI. literally every Story scene Ford? with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally every scene with him was, it was jarring. creeping me out. Like. Yeah, just completely jarring. Like. Um, it's not that bad here. Obviously the, the technology has moved on slightly. Mm. Um, but the the other part that the, the other part why it said twenty years ago is is that when it's him in his like let's say forties, Robert De Niro still look looks acts and walks like a seventy eight year old man. Okay, Do you know what I mean. You can actually still tell he's an old man because just old men walk differently. <laughs> like and, and I, I know that's a terrible thing to say, but like that's an old man with a wig on. No way. Pretending he's 40 when I know he's 78. Because like, mm. his shoulders are all up like this. I can't believe you came away with that. That's useless. I, yeah. I, yeah, and I was like, I, I know I it pulls me out of it. Like, And, but, but by the same token, it's the kind of thing of like, you're kind of suspending your, you're suspending belief. You yeah. know, that kind of way. You're kind of like, okay, I'm just going to have to use my imagination to fill in the blanks here. Yeah. And let this kind of do its thing. Um, but, you know, the script is brilliant. Joe Pesci, fantastic. Does a complete 180. Like, I was going into this thinking, oh my God, we're going to see fucking Joe Pesci. Being Joe Pesci. Being Joe Pesci and being crazy and being really loud and being energetic. Not that at all. He almost plays as like a monk. Uh, Al Pacino as well. Completely reins it in. Very measured. Very kind of like aware of himself. Very much not being mm. Al Pacino except for one scene and it's warranted in that one scene I think mm. you know um, uh, Harvey Keitel he's in it not that much but he's great when he's in it Ray Romano he's in a little bit very very good Stephen Graham 
He's the MVP of it. I thought he no did a fantastic way. Job. I he's saw the a... scene where Pacino yeah. and Graham are. Uh, he's late to the meeting or whatever. That's one of the best scenes in the film. Like I think that's right. one of the best scenes in the film. Like what I would say about this though is is that compared to something like say Casino or Goodfellas, where yeah. there are entire moments in it where you're like I, you can quote it like you know yeah. that kind of you know you're a stutter mumbling prick. You know that. Well, you can quote well, it. Right. I can quote. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you know what I mean? Like it's a very kind of. Uh, like kind of iconic yes. like you immediately yeah, yeah, remember yeah. it yeah yeah. the Irishman for three and a half hours it doesn't really have that it's lacking set pieces or just those critical yeah, yeah. it's conflict it's, it's like conflict a- yeah it's more kind of like it's very ruminative I was not I was surprised by how kind of like introspective and how quiet it is mm. and how it really kind of delves into the idea of what if you have a person who has absolutely no remorse whatsoever because that's really what Frank Sheeran is. He is mm. a he is a completely remorseless person. He has no qualms about killing people. He never second guesses himself. So then he becomes essentially just this embodiment of violence. Yeah. And different people are pulling them left and right. And he just goes with the flow. And he has no real kind of agency, if you know that kind of way. Mm. So it's really a kind of an examination of what happens when you have a man who is being kind of pulled left or right, but has no moral centre himself. Like yeah. What happens then? Um, it's fascinating, though. It's a really, really fascinating film. It's three and a half hours, though, and you really do fucking notice it. Like, there's no denying that it's three and a half hours long. That's two and a half hours plus another 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And there's no intermission. There's no intermission. Like, And at no point, like, every time I was watching, it was like, okay... Uh, fuck it right okay I'll give this five minutes and then I'll run to the bathroom and then something happens and I'm like oh shit okay, uh, okay, I'll just stay yeah, here yeah. and then it was like another 20 minutes goes by I was like okay I think I can oh fuck no that's after happening now I have to stay in my seat mm. Yeah. so the whole time you're kind of always kept in your seat you're never like I need to get up and leave now, you have to remember though oh you're probably this gonna is gonna this be my up. next exactly, question yeah. you know when you can go to the bathroom was when, you're when you pause it and get up from your couch what is your take on this having seen it on the big screen I think, I, I, you know, right. I think it's exactly the kind of film that could be watched at home and enjoyed at home. Mm-hmm. However. Over a couple of nights. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? Like, once upon a time in America kind of buzz, like you could like stop and start it for the whole fucking week. Like, um, by the same token, though, I do think it is worth seeing it in the cinema because I think some of the cinematography and some of the 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 atmosphere in it is very much it's very cinematic like it really the colors and the lighting mm. and just mm. I would you should see it in the cinema if you can uh, but you can totally enjoy it and it's not like Gravity say where it's like you've got to see it in the cinema and only in the cinema it won't work anywhere else yeah. this will I work did on, watch it on Netflix actually did you yeah still I, doesn't work. I wish I'd seen it on the big screen there I mean go. it's still it's still a fantastic movie but I was like damn I know this would be so much better on the big yeah. screen yeah. I, mean, I watched Interstellar on the plane and that was just completely pointless yeah there you go that's it like yeah like there are some films that you need to see in the cinema and then there are other films that you can watch it on a TV or you can watch it on an airplane and it's mm. not so bad. I don't know if I believe you that this is a stone cold s- s- no, big no. screen necessary. No, no, of. no. I wouldn't say it's necessary. I'd say it is a better way to enjoy it. Right. That's what I would say. You can totally watch this home. You've got to Because we all have the opportunity for the next two weeks or so, do we? Exactly, yeah. This select is it. cinemas? Every it's cinema? Select cinemas. It's like uh, Lighthouse have it, Palace have it. 
IFI have it. It'll be a lot of the indie cinemas. Um, you won't see it in Odeon, I don't think. You won't see it in... I think Omniplex have it. I think Omniplex do, because yeah. I remember seeing it in Omni- Omniplex Rathmines. Yeah, so, there yeah. you go. Sure, you can go out on to entertainment.ie and you can exactly. see where it is. Exactly, all our go. listings. All our listings. It's certainly the way Martin wants you to see it. That's right, yeah. Martin wants you to see it this way. Um... I did enjoy it. I, d- I definitely did enjoy it. I It is a very thought-provoking film. It's not as raucous and it's not as a, as energetic as Goodfellas or, or Casino, yeah. but it's definitely worth a watch. So it's four stars. Do you think it's as, do you think it's, they're held up by their nostalgia almost? Or yeah. Like, mm. yeah. There's an element of like glory seeking in it. Like There's yeah. an element of like they're constantly looking back and looking forward. And it is a film that very much deals with memory and how men when they come to the end of their age how do they deal with memory how do they deal with a legacy how do they kind of uh reflect on themselves and yeah. again it's that thing of like it's the idea it's again it's very scorsese because it's dealing with religious um religious kind of forgiveness Themes the idea of forgiveness and the idea of uh absolving yourself you know that mm-hmm. kind of way. like i think it's telling that the final scene in it is you know frank sheeran speaking with a priest and it just kind of ends not on a it doesn't end on a final note, mm. you know, that kind of way. It kind mm. of leaves you with like, well, it's up to you now to think, yeah. what, what do you <laughs> think happened here? What do you think is, what do you think Frank Sheeran is thinking at the end? I love that. I can't wait. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, because like you go back and look at like Casino, you look go, go back and look at Goodfellas. It's a fucking ending. They're finite, yeah. It's finite. It's like Henry Hill is out of the mob and he's living out in the middle of nowhere and Casino... They're all dead except for Robert De Niro's character. Mean Streets, it's Spoilers. whatever. Spoilers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, they're very final films. Whereas you look at something like Silence or you look at like Last Temptation of Christ and the ending is very mm. much like, you are now, you must write the next chapter of this. You have to. I really enjoyed that in Silence especially. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Silence. Yeah. I, yeah. Ca- I loved Silence. Yeah. Lots I was really people... upset with how it didn't do very well. But I think it was actually, it was like, it was, it was fucking deep, man. You know, yeah. like that shit is too much for some people. The way yeah. they, you know? sh- yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, to- we're talking about, you know, turning off your brain kind of experiences and it's definitely not, not that. that. Like, yeah. you know, like other films of his, like Goodfellas and Casino, there is an element of entertainment as well as like kind of, you know, deep thinking behind yeah. it. Whereas Silence is just all, you know, meta and deep thoughts. Challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I mean, even to stray back into video games, because we were mm. talking about this, th- this game came out recently, Death Stranding. It's Doesn't out, it's out this Friday. Yeah, yeah. Our listeners might not be familiar, but from what I've, it's not necessarily that enjoyable to play, but there are a lot of themes to it and there's a lot to digest with it. And we were saying mm. how that's good, that there is a leap forward where... Now, sometimes when you're going to sit down to play video games, it's not, it doesn't have to be a theme park like Scorsese would yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like games are kind of, I think that they're borrowing from cinema that way. And I think oh, it's yeah. really interesting where they're going in that regard. I should lend you actually, I have a book on gaming and cinema, which Ooh. is kind of comparing Ooh. the two art forms and where they're kind of merging. And it talks about not just video game like adaptations, you know, like the Resident Evil series say, but how they're both borrowing from yeah. one another. It's just really yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then, book. so where does this... Is there a bit of a laugh in it? Did you get any roller coasters? Oh yeah, there's some funny moments in it, definitely. Like, I mean, there is a lot of humor in it. Um Usually his violence is quite theatrical as well. Yeah, mm. this not so much. It's not quite as gratuitous and kind of almost black 
comedy-esque as Casino or it's as Goodfellas. Real, it? It's very real. Like, mm. And it's done in such a way that it's, like, it's not trying to glorify it. Like, I mean, that's another thing that, that's always been in like Scorsese's crime You films, often I expect think. a fucking electric guitar in the background. While yeah, you're kind of like, oh, here we go. We're going to have a fucking big montage and he's going to shoot a lot of people. And the endings of his, his crime films... They, they they get away with it, you know that kind of way. Mm. They 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 escape justice in some sort of way. Like Henry Hill, like he's laughing at you as he's like ordering fucking noodles and ketchup. Brilliant. And like in The Wolf of Wall Street, he's just out on a, t- a talking tour. Like sell mm. me this pen. The Irishman doesn't have that. The Irishman really does. The entire, I would say, final act is. Frank Sheeran face to face with what he's done and that's revolutionary for Scorsese because he so often just glosses over that part Mm. he spends an entire act of the film making this character Mm. look at what they've done but not even just the last three minutes yeah it's not just the last three minutes it's like literally like the last 40 minutes but of course the thing of it is is that even when this character Frank Sheeran even when you put the consequences in front of him he doesn't care that's the kind of the thing of it. Like it's the film has been building up to this point that like Frank Sheeran just doesn't give a fuck. Mm. He just is completely remorseless. Like and how terrifying that is. Now, even though he's his elderly man, you're he is just he's like a shark. Like, he's just like there's nothing behind the eyes. Mm. Like he just doesn't care. Like and that's even more horrifying. Like you know how Irish is the Irishman? Um, they do make a point of like the fact that like he can speak Italian and they're like how the fuck are you able to speak Irish and they're all like oh he, I learned it in World War 2 and stuff like that mm. um, he doesn't he doesn't have Cupola Fuckle no no Neil Cupola Fuckle of Gaelga Mark Tarshe Egg America America Os America Os can you speak Irish you said Egg but it's Os is from Egg is for Ing okay so Tarshe Os Miracle. American. Miracle. America. Yeah, he's from America. Yeah. Is that what you were trying to say? I'm trying to say uh, there yeah, is no that's... Irish because he is American. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, you'd say Neil Ingeilge Agat. Or no, Aguin? No. Agomagut Agat. <laughs> I do you know I tell you there's like, no Irish upon him I yeah there is no Irish in him yeah no he's like they don't make any reference to him being Irish they just it's like it's there what um, a letdown a yeah, little bit especially it's in the freaking title yeah I was kind of like yeah but oh, that's the other thing they actually it's titled in the film I Heard You Paint Houses and it would bet you any mm. money if Scorsese got his way, he would have just titled it. That was that. the working title. That was the working title for when ages. It, are you saying those words pop up on text at the start of the movie? Yeah. And the word Irishman never... Co- that's it just only for comes out at the very end. What? Do yeah. you think they're going to change it down the line? No. It's, it's, it's when you... Like, when you watch the film, the opening titles are I Heard You Paint Houses. Cool. And at the very end, it's the Irishman. So. Right. So did he paint houses? No, it's a, it's a euphemism for like when he shoots people and the blood I know, spots. But it, would have, it would have been Scorsese for him to literally do it at some point. Last yeah. question. We are moving on from this. Mm. But did Netflix give him too much free reign? Because that's why he agreed to it. And we've I ended think, up with a very long, strangely titled film. See, I think that Netflix aren't... Uh, this is just from my own observations, just because I've seen like such a wide variety on Netflix at this point between, like I said, they really have just gone into two specialties, which is top quality TV series and, and really terrible B-movies that everyone just seems to be consuming. Yeah, where a woman <laughs> opens an inn. Yeah. <laughs> Etc. Um, 
But from what I've observed, I don't think they really are exercising too much creative control. And I think that that's why they're doing it really well. They're just kind of leaving these directors to it, whether they're for kind better of, or worse. Yeah, for better or worse. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I think. Anyway. Yeah, that's I'd, for the better. Yeah. And uh, potentially the worse. Yeah. I mean, there's an element of, like it's that kind of thing of like, you know, if you give them everything they ever could possibly want, are they actually going to make a film that people will want to see or are they going to make a film that they want to see? I have one rebuttal to that. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Someone put some reins on that man. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, uh, there is that thing of like, you know, um, restrictions create creativity. Do you know yeah. that kind of way? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But like, I think, yeah, I think if this was a conventional studio, they would have said, make this two and a half hours. Dump the fucking hour. Like, you're not having three and a half hours in the cinema. Yeah. Um, would but, it have been a very different movie? I don't think any studio would have dared say that to Martin Scorsese. Honestly, hand in my heart. I think, Honestly, I think that's heart. why he went to Netflix. I don't know. I don't. I I don't see anyone telling Martin Scorsese to make his movie any shorter because yeah. he is renowned for making his movies long. You know, I will watch it. It's not like giving Michael. <laughs> it's not like giving Michael Bay three hours. I would never give Michael Bay three no, hours. No, 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 God, no. But <laughs> I'd like, love it, to see that. But like, it is. But it is that thing though of like, I think any studio in the right mind would never release a film that's three and a half hours long if they could avoid it. Because mm. it's just, it's it's numbers, like, you know, they're kind of, they've got to sell as many cinemas. By the way, this is, um, <laughs> this is ironic, you know, because of Endgame. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah, it How is. How long was that? that I, I, Endgame like was three two, hours long. It's over three hours long. Was it over three? It's yeah. not over three hours. It is. It's not, it's like three hours on the book. How long was Colin Farrell's Alexander? About three hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily. Yeah, but again, that fucking put the kibosh on it for, for months, for years even, I would say. Like, Him too, yeah, for a long time. You know, <laughs> but like, I, I, I do think, okay, fine, with something like Endgame, that's a massive, massive film that loads and loads of people are going to want to see. So it is the kind of thing I was trying to check the, the run on I time know. there. Yeah, I could it. see. You could see me it doing it. It was over three, was it? Uh, no, I can't get it because I'm offline. <laughs> um, but isn't. I think it is about three. Listener, like listener. You know what else has gone on too long? This Irishman this fucking review. argument. Yeah. yeah, this review. Yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. Up next, the Good Liar. I saw this. This is terrible. Tell this me is, the synopsis oh, immediately. God. So Ooh. I know it's Helen Mirren, and I know it's Ian McKellen, oh. and that's that's kind of all I know about it. If I'm honest, is it a real romp? This is fucking awful. This is like this. Oh. Is, this is probably. If not the worst, or probably one of the worst films I've seen this year. No way. Yeah, oh, really? Is, that bad? It's really that Jeepers. bad. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Ian McKellen plays this con artist uh, who meets Helen Mirren online, go on a few dates. Ooh. As the story progresses. I can't remember the last time I've seen Ian McKellen, uh, like. In a leading role. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. We will oh, get to that. No. Um, so Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren are basically two uh, widowed people who meet online. Ian McKellen is this con artist and uh, Helen Mirren is this kind of like a little bit beige, a little bit sort of like footy-duddy, a little beige. bit suburban kind of uh, grandmother. Um, and Ian McKellen's character has come up with this scheme uh, to basically defraud these uh, Russian gangsters out of a load of money it kind of goes haywire and then he kind of has to hide out. And as he's doing it, he's kind of building up this relationship with Helen Mirren, uh, her son. 
is then sort of, uh, how would you say? Who plays the son? I Russell Tovey is his name. He was in like Sherlock. You definitely know his okay. face. Anyways, uh, he's very like confronts him. He confronts uh, Ian McKellen's character and says, you're not who you say you are and all this kind of thing. And then. Guess he's not such a good liar. Yeah. And then. I don't want to ruin it. But I will say <laughs> there's a twist. There is a fucking twist that is so stupid, so ridiculous, so <laughs> just like how how are you even how did you even think you were going to get away with this? How did you even think for one single poxy second that people like I was when I when it happened I was like I would leave right now if I paid for this I would just get up and walk out <laughs> if I paid for this um, I was nearly gonna do it I was hey, nearly can you allude to it like, it's it's so out of the blue it's so completely not is it that it's out of character or conceited or it, it's 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 the kind of thing of like okay right fine Deus Ex Machina <laughs> it's no don't give it away don't give it don't away don't give it away people get, people get mad it is spoilers too yeah. yeah it's just I can see you on to it's so ridiculous like we'll have to talk about it next week because okay. it's so fucking stupid put stu- you off the whole flick the whole th- like I mean I was uh, on the lead up to it I was like oh yeah I know what this is she's gonna be conning him as well that's what this is kind of sure. alluding to that's but like e- that's like every <laughs> exactly. That's, that's it. Like every spy movie with a male and female Correct. ever. Yes. Correct. That's it. It's like who's conning who? Who in, really is the good liar? Entrapment and that yeah. terrible Clive Owen one with Julia Roberts. Correct. And stuff like that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. Every time you watch these kind of like who done it? Who? It's all sexy. Who is the good liar? Kind of thing. Uh, that's fine. Up until that point, it was like okay. Is I Helen can... Mirren being sexy in it? Well, I mean, is there like a well, Brian always finds her sexy. So in fairness, lie, he I, has I, a he has a major crush on her. Stop I do. that smirk. That's I do. Patch can't handle it. And let me <laughs> look at you right now. And I'm, I'm I'm twisting my mustache as I, I talk about this. That. I will say actually, I like I was like when this came up, I was like I'm going to take this because I enjoyed. I wasn't I wasn't surprised at all. I did went in with my trench coat and my mustache twiddling like oh Helen Mirren. Oh, That's yes. why you walked out. Yeah. Um, but, oh God, this film is fucking terrible though. It's so bad. How's Ian? Poor Ian. Poor Ian. Oh yeah. So yeah, this is what I was going to say. Um, yeah, I think the reason why the two of them took this on was because it is so feckin' rare for actors over 70 to lead a movie mm. and not to do, do a supporting needs. role. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's unheard of. Um, and I think... They were like, okay, the script, they had to have known the script for this was terrible. But yes. they were like, look, this is a bit of fun. When are we going to get the chance to do a film like this again? Mm-hmm. We get they probably mates and get to hang out together. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They want to they work with one another. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Um, and I wouldn't begrudge them that at all. Um, I would just feel bad for anybody that paid money to see it. Because, <laughs> you know, like I didn't pay a single penny for this. And I was like, okay, I'm glad that they're having fun. I'm not having fun, but I'm glad that they're <laughs> having fun. If I paid money for this, I'd be very upset. Um, no, there is that thing of like, you know, there are films that are made for an OAP audience. Like that is not ages to say mm. that. Like Marigold Hotel. Yeah, the, yeah. There was another one, uh, Quartet, that was out a few years ago. There was another one, A Little Chaos, 
there are films that are made for an OAP audience. Oh, mm. that's really sweet. And it is <laughs> sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was watching, it was like, okay, I could see an OAP audience enjoying this because they're seeing themselves up on screen, you know? Um, and maybe they'll get something out of it. But I got nothing out of this. This was very, very bad. Could and someone bring their nan? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, my... I'm sorry, I totally misunderstood that. I thought you meant bringing some nan bread. You're still thinking about the Marigold Hotel. <laughs> well, that too. I mean, you could That's eat nan bread. Head. I mean, I would argue nan bread is just as bland as this. Oh! We need to return to that question sometime. Did we That's get any exactly more? That's exactly what I was entry? thinking. What's well, we the got worst loads. thing you've ever seen people uh, eat Eating in the cinema? cinema. I, we got a lot of responses to that. We should have read them. I dare say nan is... Uh, Nan is harmless. Fair. See, exactly. Nan it, it now is a different story. <laughs> if it doesn't make a smell and it doesn't make a noise, I think fair game. That's my opinion. Is yeah. Peshwari Nan bread? Is that like spicy? I think or it something? has like a smell. I feel like it Do has you a know? smell. Do you know? Peshwari. Oh, we've got pre- and it's like sweet with raisins. Sweet with raisins. Sweet with raisins. It's pink, nice. isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Is it nice? Really good. Yeah. I love that this is like literally Coriander the first now. time Charlotte has felt passionate enough to, enough to get hype <laughs> up in the background. We've had like fucking full-blown conversations about art, directors, all this kind of shit. Talk about nan bread, I though. You asleep. can't shut her up. <laughs> you can't shut her up. Oh no, fucking pink nan bread. Peshawar. A fire Peshwari. was lit. Peshwari, sorry. All right, we're going to move on from the good liar because it sounds brilliant. I mean, like to What's be fair. Your, is it one, one star? It would be one and a half, yeah. It's Ooh. pretty bad. Don't mark this. I want this in. Leave no, this in. these are the best bits. These are the best bits. And not only that as well. People the film... live for the nan chat. And like, to be fair, this film is so shit that we're literally talking about types of bread rather than the film. <laughs> uh, what does that tell nan you? Bread. Nan bread. That's a special type yeah. of bread. How shit is it's this unleavened. film? Yeah. How shit is this film that we have to talk about unleavened bread that we use in curries? We should consider this. doing this for most films. Definitely want to order Indian tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of digging it now too, yeah. What do meal go? does Eddie well, Redmayne's The Aeronauts? So find somewhere local. Hmm? You missed my segue. Sorry, sorry. That was how, <laughs> we how got distracted talking it? about food. It was a food-based segue. Okay, it was let's what meal does The Aeronauts remind you of? I'm going to guess that it's going to be like um, a Sunday porridge roast. with sweetener instead of sugar. I would have said a Sunday roast. Um... I don't know. I don't know what food I'd have during it. That's the job of a critic. Maybe maybe popcorn because that's always my go-to movie food. No, and no, then not also, the food. The food it reminds you of. Oh, the reminds film. me yeah. of. Yeah. If you had um, to compare this film to a meal, what kind of meal would it be? I don't know. Plain chicken? <laughs> I I some sort of chicken Kiev where it's I would gooey in the have this be the whole bucket. <laughs> it's a good format. It's a good format. How about, how about this candy floss because of the clouds so it looks uh, like candy floss in texture. Uh, that's a cop out, D. That's <laughs> no, a fucking cop out. That's did, a cop can out. I just say, you didn't actually compare The Good Liar to Nan Bread. You just started talking about Nan Bread instead of talking about the movie. So you just put me on the spot here. So the I'm going to say we have candy floss. And also because it's so sweet. Oh, oh. I want to give you yeah I'll um, give you that that's please fair. continue with the review <laughs> okay so don't mention non-bread I won't or do I won't. once 
Okay, so the Aeronauts stars Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones. So obviously they would have previously starred together in the Theory of Everything. Yeah. Um, and they've done like some pretty big gigs since. I mean, Eddie Rad- Redmayne obviously landed the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them franchise. And then as we were talking about earlier, Felicity Jones got Rogue One. So Star Wars, so that's a big deal. I mean, a shame, obviously, she only got like one movie. But, you know, because <laughs> of what happens in the end and all. But, oh. um... <laughs> Spoiler. Spoiler. Um, They're trying to get the plans for the Death Star. I think you know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, exactly. So, yeah, they're back. Um, She uh, plays a character who is a pilot who had some kind of trauma in her past and hasn't uh, taken to skies for years. But then Eddie Redmayne approaches her and he is a weather scientist but weather science isn't really a field yet and he's oh. kind of approaching his peers and trying to convince them you know this is a really important area of science like this could prevent drought it could prevent like famines it could prevent all of these like flooding you know all of these I love that you there's know, a major... scene in the trailer where it's like I'm telling you we can predict the weather and there's like a thousand men in the same costume going like what you're talking about is magic this is, there is no such leave thing leave it to the gods <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of that. <laughs> I mean, for me, like Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones are both absolutely fantastic, like such amazing actors. Actually, will I just will I just cut to my review now uh, to my interview now? So yeah, I got to chat to them. Lovely. And nice. they're they're really cool and they're really nice and they're so adorable together because you just know they're absolutely best friends. Every like, junket tees up the same way. I was like, I wanna hang out with them so afterwards. To yeah. have been in the room. But I mean like Eddie Redmayne like full on calls calls her Jones which I think is so cute like come on Jones Ah, that's ridiculous it is cute so um, here it is so I was wondering guys at what point did you find out that you were going to be working together again and what was your initial response very excited devastated (laughs) (laughs) anyone but Jones um I remember I was I was driving back from the Fantastic Beast set and I'd read the script and I'd been when I was sent it, I was told that Felicity was also being sent it, and I just consumed the script because it was completely fresh, and it was more than anything I've ever done or read. It was a film I wanted to see. I was like, I just, some of the idea of the images mm. was so But it's this weird film because half of it is massive and epic in scale, and the other half is this intimate two-hander <laughs> in a basket. And I knew that when I knew Felicity was doing it or was interested in doing it, the idea of the two of us getting to challenge each other again was kind of was extraordinary. Yeah, so. I think it was such an unusual idea. There isn't, I've never sort of seen a film about a gas air balloon. Mm. Um, and, the, and the idea of, of it being such an adventure story as well. Mm. And, and it feels like you're on a ride mm. when you're watching it. And I think the fun of it was something that really appealed as well. Obviously, having done Theory of Everything, and it was nice to explore, again, our dynamic, but in a, but in a very different context. Were there personality traits in kind of your your respective characters, you know, James and Amelia, that you felt you could relate to, or even traits in one another's characters that you felt <laughs> you could relate to? There were definitely moments when it, I was like, is this Eddie and Felicity having a heated discussion, or is this Amelia and James? <laughs> we definitely lent... I feel like when you're making something, you do lean into your character traits a little bit more. Yeah. And there were definitely some moments where sort of James's meticulousness and... Amelia's, you know, throw caution to the wind would cause a certain amount of conflict. (laughs) 
totally true. It's yeah. the joy. The joy I'm a really of working fundamentally together. really anal person, so I was like really well cast. And I probably much more free don't worry about the details stuff. enough. So it's actually that's probably where we kind of meet in the middle actually and find a balance. Mm. When it comes to actually the more kind of intimate dramas and biopics, you know, such as this and The Theory of Everything, and then you guys have worked in kind of the big franchise movies mm. as well, Star Wars and, um, you know, Fantastic Beasts. Do you find that you have different approaches to those respective movies or is it just kind of another character for you every time? I think, I think you have to root it in the character. <laughs> I, think, um, off, I think actually what changes is probably the preparation. So for this, these kind of films, there's a lot of action. There's a huge amount of physical prep that, that goes into it. Um, so your life can be, you know, there's a lot of time spent at the gym as opposed to when you're doing a sort of drawing room drama. Mm. Um, it's a slightly different muscle, so mm. to speak, that you're using. But I think it's always the, it's always the character. And I guess the, depending on the scale, then maybe the tone changes mm. a little bit. And also the sort of setup, I would say, for things like mm. Star Wars or... or um, the Beasts films, you know, the infrastructure is so massive mm -hmm. that um, that it's possible to, to, you know, to break through to the intimate, but there is just, there's just a load more people. Mm -hmm. And so um, I find on films that are, um, when, when it is just the two of you, with, with a director and a writer, you can very quickly get down to the core mm, of the, the thing. intimacy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have any kind of fond memories of flying yourselves or taking to new heights? <laughs> um... Weirdly, we all become obsessed with <laughs> this weird stage when we sort of made the film where, like, the director and Felicity and I would send each other photos from airplanes. Go, oh, oh God, have you seen these clouds? <laughs> like, it became sort this of weirdly. This is a cumulus. This is a cumulus. Yeah, there was a lot of. Um, you did suddenly actually getting on a plane became a whole different event. Mm. Having that knowledge of what it's like from going up in a balloon, and then suddenly you just don't take it for granted quite as much. And you realise, God, what a feat of scientific mm. endeavour that you can get up here. But also how you make an audience re-look, because lots of people have been on aeroplanes. We've all mm. had that thing of going through the clouds and coming up. And so, but, but how do you make people see that again from the fragility of a mm -hmm. basket yeah. and a gas balloon and nothing but gas and, and wicker, basically? And I think that was one of the challenges. Yeah, I think, interestingly, it was, it's getting the audience to believe, isn't it? And if they believe in the dynamic that's happening in that tiny basket, then they will believe that you're 30,000 feet up in the sky. And, and that, that was a, quite a challenge, mm. I think, making sure that they totally were rooting for these characters. There's a line in this movie I absolutely love. It's actually your co-star Himish Patel yeah. says it, and it's some reach for the stars, some push others towards them. And I was wondering in each of your lives, who has been the person that has pushed you towards the stars? Oh my God, uh, what a question. That's a lovely question. Thank you. Um. <laughs> Eddie read me. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> It's really interesting. I think it's probably those teachers mm. more than anything. Mm. Certainly for me, it was an amazing teacher mm. I had when I was at school who was an actor himself who had um, never taught and had come and started at, at school and treated us like professionals because that was all he knew. And he, I, 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 he was always my the person who gave me, mm. he was called Simon Dormandy, and he was the guy that gave me all the inspiration to, to, to aspire to it, I think. Yeah, I think it's... Um it's interesting, it's those people who take a bit of a risk in a way on you. I remember similarly, um, I went to a 
drama group growing up um, and Colin Edwards used to run it and he took us all so seriously and we would put on plays and you know have auditions for film and television but those early people who who treat you in a sort of grown-up way and make you feel actually that it is possible to pursue mm. this crazy job that we do brilliant jones jones, jones. <laughs> it's so oh yes they're wholesome. also both ridiculously english oh god yeah 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 yeah, yeah. him especially like he's really uh, they're like, both very english is eddie redmayne almost playing this as fantastic beasts like he seems so, he's mean, wearing the same jacket <laughs> it's all kind of steampunky yeah it's he's, a little bit steampunky you know i like, mean his character in fantastic beasts is probably like a little more kind of crack he's a bit more like energetic and happy about life whereas in this one like he's very serious and you know just trying to get the job done a bit and then, more like a plain man yeah <laughs> Yes. And Felicity Jones yes. is kind of the yes. more like airy fairy character. Like the very first scene is them uh, going up in the hot air balloon together. And um, they're kind of, you know, uh, there's this kind of, she makes like a bit of a show out of it. She's wearing like all this makeup and she almost looks like a circus performer. And like she's a Peshawari non bread. <laughs> wow. Because it's pink and got full of rage. And she's like flying all over the ropes <laughs> right, and we're stuff. Killing that too. And, she does, <laughs> and she does this little like trick with her dog and stuff. So, yeah. So, she's it's like she's turned the hot air balloon into a show to get support for she, it. Or? Exactly. And right. kind of like selling it. Whereas with him, it's just about, you know, the scientific breakthrough that we're going to make <laughs> no, here. And they're like trying the to like, to and they're trying to like, you know, pass a world record for kind of the highest that, you know, anyone's ever gone in a hot air balloon and stuff. And I won't say if they break that record, yeah. you'll have to watch and see. Um, I also adore this film visually. Now, usually I don't like when these kind of movies rely on CGI because I'm like, I'd rather see, you know, the natural sky and the natural clouds because I think that nature in itself is like beautiful yeah. as lame as that yeah. sounds but actually in this particular film it really worked because I think it does kind of add to like the fan like the fantastical nature yeah. of it all yeah. and the kind of sense of wonder and magic to it. That's the vibe it, I got so. off it. Mm. Almost yeah. something like Dumbo or exactly, even Mel yeah. Welcome to Marwen or kind yeah. of just a bit surreal or yeah, something. Yeah, it's kind of a bit, yeah, it's it's not quite fantasy because I mean it it isn't a fantasy and it is now very roughly based on a true story because I mean you're watching this and you're like that didn't happen and neither did yeah. that happen. Yeah. Like it's the greatest showman vibes. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. Just like kind, kind of, of dig fun and magical and a bit kind of carefree and stuff like yeah. that. So it is very sweet in that regard. I did think that definitely the stronger half of the movie, it'd be half to maybe, I wouldn't say three quarters of it, but definitely the stronger elements of it was when it's a two-hander of them just in the balloon, even yeah. if they're just looking around or having conversations and there are kind of like a few thrilling sequences in there, like in the end when they've gone too high and they have to kind of fight for their lives. There's like a big storm scene where they have to get the balloon out of the storm without damaging it and stuff yeah. like that. But um, throughout their kind of conversation and throughout their journey in the balloon, which interestingly enough is only like something like I can't remember if it's half an hour or an hour and a half, but again, that'd be similar to what it would be in real life. They wouldn't actually be up there for hours and hours because they wouldn't have had those kind of facilities back then. But intercut with sorry, well, that was my they first thought. They didn't include that. I'm sure they what? did at some point. How would you do that though? Because like, if it's if just like a, if it's a re basket, like you just have to like go to the other it's, corner. It's quite a big basket. Like yeah, but like you'd still have to like. I wouldn't want to lean over it. I, yeah, I'd be afraid. Like, ah, uh, well, she's like, like I said, climbing up on the ropes and stuff like that. So, so she has no problems with it. Climbing up the top it. and just to use the bathroom. 
I mean, does, does it work like that? What if you're flying over a school? Yeah. That's a you know? sex crime. Does it not like... Yeah. Then you're in real trouble. What if you used to do a number two? Like, that's like... <laughs> oh, that'd be much worse. That's worse now. That's like, oh God, where's that going to go? Like... <laughs> sorry. We d- it's completely I'm really <laughs> sorry about this. Okay, I but got too what I was saying... I think that's exactly what's happened. Now you've got me thinking about... Okay, no, I do have a legitimate question. Yet. It seems to be marketed quite... Uh, highlighting the feminist angles in a way does it very much show like I the, from my vibe from the trailer was very much like the first woman to da 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 ah, not kinda... really no I mean it's it's definitely a two-hander like it's about right. both of them and both of them get equal screen time and everything oh sorry so what I was going to finish about with my point from before was <laughs> before you guys interrupted me and started talking about excrement and nan <laughs> Um, was that the strongest bits are when they're up in the balloon between the visuals and the fact that it's the two of them. There are quite a few. Basically, the story is like um, dotted with flashback sequences. So we see like basically the events that have led them up to taking this hot air balloon journey. And you have the likes of um, Tom Courtney uh, plays the guy's father. He you also have uh, Himish Patel in there who people recognize from yesterday. Mm. The, so actors kind of come and go and you see like the relationship with her sister and stuff like this. And like I said, you find about like you find out about this tragedy that has kind of led her to not fly for years up until this moment. But at those points, it was very kind of conventional drama and almost like a bit kind of boring and dragged a bit. Like definitely when they were up in the air, those are the bits that are that bit more like special the and more cinematic. whimsical stuff. Yeah, the more whimsical stuff. I definitely much preferred that. So I thought it was, a bit, yeah, it let itself down maybe a little bit, but I still think that it's it's still a really enjoyable film. And it is, I've been saying this like every time, but it is true. It's very uplifting. Oh. <laughs> but I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice kind of feel good movie. You know what? It's probably somewhere in between the Irishman and a Marvel movie. <laughs> in what? terms of its in terms of its relevance to cinema and its entertainment. Uh, at value, least it's an original know? IP kind of thing. Or... And it's like it's just it's nice. It's a nice, fun, feel good movie. I'd, you know, yeah, I was going. You're not going. You're not going. It's harmless. Exactly. You're not going to leave it dissatisfied. Do you prefer the greatest showman. Like, oh. um, I did just because I love musicals. Um, yeah. Good. I you know I I seen the posters for this and I seen the trailer for it and I was like I really like this I yeah. really like this is kind of and I I think it's the you know it there's something for, almost old school about yeah. it you know like old Hollywood or something yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that yeah it's the it's totally the kind of film that like would be out at this time of year mm-hmm. like yeah. a Christmas movie that like you would just go yeah, see yeah exactly yeah. it is kind of Christmassy in that way yeah and yeah. I was like I was like cool I like and there's that. snow I mean the snow is about to kill them but there is Ooh. snow in it <laughs> yeah that's it once you got snow in it and it's this kind of like let's work together <laughs> I'm like how does the snow kill them are they just getting snowed Cause they're, on because they're getting so high that it's starting to freeze like temperatures are dropping so low wow. so there you, go. there you go yeah you have to watch to see what happens see through, yeah. yeah you'll have to you'll have to see it. what was your final rating did you go three or I think I higher? gave it three and a half yeah yeah so like seven out of ten kind of a, yeah that's decent yeah no, I'd watch that yeah exactly I'd watch that yeah and, and we, you do kind of have to see it on the big screen that's another thing I'd say because like I said for the visuals you'll really, really it's not just it going to be on screen. BBC 2 next year or whatever I think it is an Amazon movie actually funnily oh, enough really? yeah yeah you're getting a lot of these Amazon mm. because last week Britney Runs a Marathon that was an Amazon one as yeah, well yeah and next so. week The Report is it that's an Amazon film as there well, you go so, yeah. yeah well there you have it three movie reviews from the film show 
and an no Nan bread. And a bit of Nan chat thrown in there. Literally every time someone mentions Nan, I can hear a girl in my stomach. I was going to say though, do you know where is a decent actually Indian up by where you live? That place Pickle. Okay. Yeah, that's good that's to really know. I'll good. make a mental note of that. Yeah, it's it's the one. It's and I'll just... remember it because I'm in a pickle because I don't have naan bread right now. I'm ah, really hungry. Ah, <laughs> power of podcasts, people. You can get restaurant recommendations. <laughs> you got a movie. You paid nothing for this podcast, pal. You paid nothing for this podcast. Yeah, you're a criminal. Actually, you got this for free. Enjoy it. I do. I would like to hear from our lovely listener what the worst food that they've brought into the cinema. Let's throw that question out there again. Or most random. Most yeah. random, I'd say. And well. it has to be Nan-based. <laughs> no, anything other than Nan. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening. Let us know what you thought of The Irishman. Oh, well, we give a little teaser for next week because I actually know what's out. For a change. Yeah. So we, we have Le Mans 66. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we have our interview with James Mangold. Exactly. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be an exciting one. Uh, we've also got Last Christmas and hopefully a couple of interviews for that. That's still TBC, but we will let you know. Ooh. And then we've also got, it's a jam-packed week, actually. There's also Little Monsters is out and Marriage Story, which I'm really excited to and talk about. And the report. About. And the report. Oh my gosh, so many next yeah. week. You'll we have to listen. to speed through them. Yeah. We are going to have to, we've got like fucking three interviews to get through and we've got like, how whatever, Jesus. I don't, we'll you're not, you're not allowed to shite on about a Scorsese movie no, next week. No, we'll just have to, I don't know. It's because it was so long. That's how we ended up talking yeah. about it for Can so long. Can we keep the hot air balloon poo jokes next week let's continue let's continue our nan discussion yeah. next week there you have it thanks for listening 